0: Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. We have been, for the last three weeks, uh, going through uh, one sermon and uh, looked at three different things or shared three different things that we saw in this. Life lessons. The first thing was the motive of the heart. We kind of examined that and saw that we need to make sure our motive is right in our life. Another thing that I shared in that is this: you know, we we do what we want to do. That's just the truth. Um, Nobody has. When you really want to do something, nobody has to force you to do it. And so again, what we do often reveals what's in our heart. What's the motive of our heart? Um, And so the motives, the the motivation in our life can be different things. It can be obligation it can be responsibility it can be what happens if i don't do this the negative side of motivation Uh, but again we do what we want to do and that's true for our walk with christ that's true for our engagement in the kingdom of god Uh, it's revealed in what we do and so uh, we got to make sure that in our lives that we are motivated by love because that's what jesus commanded us to do to love him with everything we have and to love our neighbor as ourselves and so we got to make sure, in my life, every day, I've got to be motivated by love. And our lives will look like that. If we love God, our lives will look like we love God. We love His kingdom. We love His program. We love His work. That's what it'll look like in our life. It'll also look like that for our love for people. It'll be real. It'll be seen. That's what will happen. We are motivated by love, and that's seen in our life. And so, that was the first thing. The second thing was the investment of life. We saw that in the garden, God breathed into breath, the, uh, the nostrils of man the breath of life. And that, from that point forward, man became a living soul. We had life. Sin entered in and death entered in. Death by sin, the Bible says. And from that point forward, we've all been, as we are born, into sin on our path to death. It's only if we accept Jesus Christ that we are given life once again. Jesus told the woman, uh, I think the woman at the well at, in John chapter 11, um, that he's the resurrection of life. Though uh, somebody would be dead, yet shall he live. That is the truth. When we are saved, we have life. It's the only source of life that's found in Jesus Christ. And so, what are we doing with that investment? When we get saved, when we get eternal life, what are we doing with this amazing investment of life that God has given to us? So, another thing we we we, we brought out in the next series was, or the next sermon was, the reality of the end. Jesus brings up the fact that there is an end to this world. There is an end to this time that we're in right now and I showed the illustration that Francis Chan shared years ago uh, about the rope illustration and he had a rope that spread across the stage and a little red piece of tape on the end of the 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 rope that represented our life the time that we have on this earth and it can be marked the time that we have on this earth can be marked and I shared that the average American lifespan is 78 years you can put a number on those days of sharing that even with my mom and I, and I said, you know, it comes up to like 28,400 days. And she was like, and this is what her response was, that's it? And I was like, that's exactly right. I mean, you would think, man, in our lives, 78 years, you know, probably 100,000 days. It's not, it's 28,000 days. And if you've already lived half of that or more of that, you realize that your days are getting shorter. And as you say, well, I may have 10 years left. Well, just multiply that by 365 approximately. You got 3,000 days left. Twenty years, you got six thousand days left, but the promise is not given to us of tomorrow. So we don't know that we have six thousand, or we have three thousand, or we have you know two hundred, uh, you know whatever. How many days we think that we have? All we have is right now. And again, the truth in Scripture is there's an end coming to this time, regardless of when it is, uh, is. There is an end, and so uh, you know we look at this thing this morning. Uh, About the end because jesus is going to expound on this teaching about the end of time And I I think about this this topic because so many people are infatuated with End times, right? I mean, I I think that that we could do uh, Probably a series every month a study every month on end times and people would come to church because we're infatuated with this Some people are infatuated because they're consumed with the wonder man What's it going to be like? What is it? I mean, what, I don't have the answers. So people are consumed with wonder. Some people crave answers, even to the point of accepting false doctrine and error, accepting doctrines of men and error. I'm, I'm, I just have to have the answers. I have to know exactly what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, and, and, and so I'll accept anything that seems right to me. Some people disengage this thought or this teaching, this, this doctrine in the end times because of the enormous weight that that thought carries. Well, I don't want to think about the end. I don't want to think about heaven and hell, and I just, I don't even want to think, it's just too much, it's too heavy, it's too much to think about. And some people deny its reality in this because they refuse to accept the finality of the end. I, I, I just, I, I don't necessarily know that it's going to be exactly like this or like that because I mean, God's a loving God, and, and I can't imagine him doing this or doing that. But this morning, we're going to see, again, Jesus expound on what the end looks like. This, this isn't to scare anybody. This isn't to try to, uh, to, to, to put anything in anybody but this, preparation. And that's what I believe that Jesus was doing with his disciples as he was teaching this, was preparing them for the end. There's no doubt that there's elements that come that we can't prepare for in this life. Um, but if you're forewarned about something, if somebody gives you a heads up on something, what you can do and what you can't do or whatever the the case may be, we can be as prepared as possible with that information, with that preparation. Again, we prepare for all kinds of things in this life and we like to be prepared for all things, uh, all kinds of things in this life. I got to thinking about, uh, school, you know, whenever, uh, the kids are getting ready, they're, they're getting ready for school and, and, and the next school year comes and they're thinking about, what it's going to be like, and they start to prepare, and, and maybe some of the requirements change, and then even after you get out of school and go to college, you begin to prepare for what that is going to be like, and, and the responsibilities involved with that, and, and then you got a job, and, and what is it going to take for me to prepare to do, to do this job, we want to know, what are the requirements, what's expected of me, what, what can I expect to happen or not to happen, and, and, and we talk about finances, we talk about all those things, we want to be as prepared as possible. Many times, most people like to be prepared for marriage. (laughs) I I, I said that kind of laughing because, like, it's kind of a joke, right? I mean, I'm not, premarital counseling and and, and being prepared and making sure absolutely it's the right person that God has for you, all those things, yes, we've got to be prepared. But we think in our minds, I know what marriage is going to be like, or, you know, and and then we get married, and and then we're like, okay, this is what marriage is. (laughs) Um, But... And, and that's what premarital counseling a lot of times is, is kind of letting you know, this is gonna probably be in the, in the picture at some point in time, you know. And, um, but preparing is something that we, or being prepared is, li- is what we like to do. For kids, same thing, whenever we, we're gonna have kids, sometimes there are surprises, but a lot of times we like to prepare to have kids, and again, the same thing, we think we know what it's gonna be like, and uh, that's different. We like to prepare for vacations, we like to prepare for major life decisions. Uh, we like to prepare and kind of have a heads up. You go, you know, think about your, your you know, if you take vacations, your process of, of deciding what you're going to do sometimes. You find out somebody's been somewhere, somebody comes back from somewhere, and, and you want to hear about their trip because well, we might be interested in going there. And so what were the good? What was the bad? You know, you, you, you want to hear those things because we like to be prepared in this life. We want a heads up. Even as kids, we like to have a heads up, especially when things could be negative, right? Um, I, I, I was thinking about when I was getting ready for this sermon and thinking about pre- preparing and having a heads up about negative things. I was thinking about my girls and um, as they go to their well child checkup, especially when it was they, they were early on and they could, they could realize that sometimes when you go to the doctor, you get a shot. And when they knew it was that time of year to go to the doctor and the potential was there to get a shot, they would always ask that question. Am I going to have to get a shot? I mean, I still ask that question when I go to the doctor, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amen. Because right, you, you got a pill for this. I mean. <laughs> but again, we like to be prepared uh, for the negative things that we may potentially face in this life. And. Um, Uh, Again, just remember, last week we talked about the reality of the end. It's coming. This end of time is coming. The end of the world is coming. As we know it, Jesus is going to come. There's judgment that's coming to this world. There's going to be a time period that there will be a king, the ruler of all all, all things. Jesus, rule on this earth, and there'll be peace. And there's going to be war, and then there's going to be a final eternal kingdom. So these things are going to come to pass, we know according to Scripture. We know it's going to happen. But I want to remind you this morning, before we get into this, that we are 2,000 years closer than the text that we were reading this morning. Jesus is preparing his his disciples and warning them about things they were specifically going to face, but also, in a general sense, the things that the people of God would face in the church age that we're living in right now. Again, this is 2,000 years later than these warnings were written. We've got to take heed to the, this, this, this truth, this reality, and say, okay, wait a second. This is real stuff. Yeah. We, could, we could call this message many things. There's kind of, was this is kind of funny. I mean, it's not real. It's not funny. It's real, but it's kind of uh, humorous uh, in this. So I was thinking, what could we call this me- message? We could call it when the rubber meets the road, uh, when things get real, uh, or even when persecution comes, what following Christ might really cost you, what to cling to when the world falls apart, or what being prepared for the end of time. We could, we could call it all kinds of things, but that's kind of the nature of the text that we're going to be uh, going through. And you say, man, I, I think when he prays, I'm going to get up and leave, because this sounds like a doom and gloom thing, <laughs> end of time, you know, when the rubber meets the road. I don't know if I want to hear that kind of message. Um, but whatever the, the title of this would be, the truth is, So said, most of us like to have a heads up when we're going to have to sacrifice something or when we're going to have to go through some difficult time or something afflicting, a hard hard day, a hard time, a season is ahead of us. Wouldn't you like to know that? I mean, think about this. Wouldn't you like to know every time you were coming up on a very difficult season of your life that God was like, this is what you're going to go through, and this is what you need to do to prepare for it? Which he's done that. He's given us his word But specifically, you know, right? Like, have a conversation. Tell me, all right, your bank account is gonna just go whoop, gone, and then you're gonna have health problems. and it's going to be hard at work because you don't have money and and then it's going to end up being hard at home because uh, the stress and the struggles that you have at work and with the finances and the kids and then your kids are going to start tanking with their grades and it's just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and here's what you need to do the steps that you need to take to make sure that you just keep going through everything with joy and strength and fire for the kingdom of God. It's in the word of God but it's not conversated like that Um, but again we like to have the heads up in our life and so Uh, Again, this is what Jesus is doing for his followers, even for us today, for telling, preparing, equipping, giving that heads up for the end time. So let's pray, and we'll get into this. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for what we are are about to experience, what we've already experienced. I'm so thankful for your word, so thankful, uh, even as we were singing the songs this morning, and uh, we were singing about being in heaven, singing about being in that place with you singing about being out of this world and and, and being taken to the place that you're preparing for us. and uh, Lord, we're excited about that, Lord. Those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, we know that's what's going to happen, regardless of what happens in this earth, regardless of how bad this world gets, regardless of what kind of persecution we may face or affliction we may go through or even a judgment on our nation that we may endure. Lord, no matter what, we know that our home eternal is with you. And so, God, we praise you and we thank you for that. Lord, help us, though, now, as we look at these things, uh, these signs, these warnings, uh, that, that we would take it soberly. We would take it very seriously and gravely, that, that we would understand we're living in the end of the end times, and we have a great responsibility, a, a great privilege handed to us by you directly, a, a commission, a call in this end time. As we said last week, even the, if we could see the anchor leg in a race, God, it's us. And so I pray that we would take very close heed to this lesson, this message this morning, and that it would change us, God, that we would be changeable. God, that we would be a a people that are teachable, that that we can hear from you and and not just cruise along in our life the way that we've always been, but draw closer to you and give more to you as the end draws now. Lord, help us this morning to receive this word, and I pray that if there's someone here that's lost, that they would get saved, God. Just a, a simple prayer. If somebody's here that's lost, they would get saved. And we'll praise you for it, God. We ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Right off the bat, number one is all you have in your notes. So I'm going to give it to you right off the bat. Characteristics of the end of the end of time. Characteristics of the end of the end of time. In Luke chapter 21, verse 10 is where we pick up. It says, Then said he unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines and pestilences. And fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. And then verse 12 begins like this. But before all these. So you say, well, so what is that saying? Basically, Jesus is saying there's some things that are going to happen before the end of the end time happens. Now, he just gave us what the end of the end time looks like. But now, he, in verse 12, he will begin to tell those disciples there. And again, those that would be alive during the church age what it would kind of look like, what they would have to endure, what things they would go through. So we kind of come to the end first. So we're going to look at the characteristics of the end of the end time first. Look at it in verse 10 again. It says this, nation shall rise against nation. This is specifically talking about non-Jewish nations, Gentile nations rising up against each other in war and combat and all that kind of stuff. And so if we look at today in 2018, look at the the non-Jewish world. Look at the, look at the Arab world, look at, um, look at, uh, again, countries all around this world that are non-Jewish, and, and there's so many of them involved in some type of conflict, even the United States. Some type of conflict, nation rising against nation, it's there. You say, well, for, for all of our known history, hasn't that been pretty much the case? Yep. But it's intensifying. I mean, Think about this. How long have we been in the war against terror? I mean, it's just a perpetual war. It's, it's, it's increasing. It's, it's ongoing. It's not really ever stopping. Is there an end to it? You know, nation shall rise against nation. The next thing he says is characteristic of the end of the end times is that kingdom against kingdom would, would rise up. You know, powers, not necessarily entire nations, but, but, but um, sections and powers of that. Uh, maybe even religious powers that we see today. It says great earthquakes shall be in diverse places. That means that these large earthquakes are going to be all over the place. And you have to know that the, the facts say that there are great earthquakes that are increasing all over the globe, even in strange places. I want to say this. I mean, it's happened in, in recent history, but I've lived in this area for a long time. And I haven't always felt like tremors. And little earthquakes and stuff. And maybe some of you who live here longer have said, oh yeah, I remember back when I was smaller, I remember that. But it just seems like there are things and places that are having these earthquakes, and specifically great earthquakes, at a more rapid and and, and more frequent, and and more of them are happening. Matter of fact, again, evidence proves this is the case. I read an article, it says the great, I mean the annual number of great earthquakes, listen to this, nearly tripled, Over the decade of 2000, from 2004 to 2014, providing a reminder to Americans that unruptured faults like those in the Northwest United States might be due for a big one. Here's what the numbers are. 18 earthquakes with a magnitude of 8.0 or more rattled subduction zones around the globe. Listen to this number, that's an increase of two hundred and sixty five percent listen over the average rate of the previous century that decade saw an increase of great earthquakes of two hundred sixty five percent more than the last century not the last decade just the decade had more than the last century the increase on an average scale that century saw 71, 71 compared to 18 in just that decade of 2004 to 2014. It's increasing. There's there's a a swelling, there's a a, a, a pangs going on, increasing of, of that going on next thing it says that there'll be famines and pestilences one of the greatest obstacles that our missionaries face today even our missionaries the Hendricks and, and 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 Ryan and Kim Jones are in, involved in with manna and again it's seen all over the globe is a lack of nutrition and even a lack of medical treatment lack of food clean water and this is something that just blows my mind because think about this This is still a problem. It's amazing to me that this is still a problem. Completely different worlds exist on the same globe. Think about that. Completely different worlds. We even call it, we call it first world and third world. They are completely different worlds all on the same globe, existing at the same time. See, here's the truth. You and I, our concerns today in America, in first world, in the first of the first world, what are they? Our cell phones are acting up. The internet is too slow. The gas station around the corner is 10 cents more than it was an hour ago. Which doctor or clinic or hospital are we going to choose to go to? Or which one will our insurance that we have pay for? Which restaurant sounds better to us? Not which one's available to us, but which one sounds better to us? And at the same time, there are those who have no clue what this life is like. Their disease remains, and it's prevalent. Access to right medicine, to qualified practitioners, to clean water, and or food, period, on a regular basis, is just not common, and in many places, just not a reality. It's just not what we have. And here's what blows my mind. You would think with all of the technology, with all of the education that is out there, that this wouldn't even be a factor in 2018. But it is. And there's so many reasons why. We know, I mean, logically, again, our missionaries have been there and, and missionaries around the world for decades have been there and, and it's been, been the case for decades. And, and, but to me, as technology has gone on, uh, it, it just blows my mind that it's still the problem that it is. And I realize that there are ways and areas that it's, it's getting better. And there are ministries and missionaries that are, are vital parts of that getting better. I mean, I realize all those things. But some of the roadblocks and reasons why this is still the case is there are religious factors out there. They're, they're, they, they, they have a different belief system. Or sometimes it's, it's cultural reasons or political reasons or corrupt political reasons. You have politicians and, and corrupt governments that are keeping the people poor so that they can stay rich, and and again, there's all kinds of different reasons why. Regardless of the reasons that there is a third world existing on the same globe to, as a first world, in 2018, you and I are are, are watching news run on the five o'clock news talking about well, the next couple of years how they're going to have flying Uber vehicles. Take us from city to city, from destination to destination. flying vehicles. I mean, the Jetsons are here. That's that's, that's, that's what's going on. We we're, we're, we're about to walk into, you know, the, the, what we all remember as as how oh, that's so far off. It's here. I mean, they're talking about about twenty twenty. That's what we're going to be doing. I mean, hey. Everybody on the ground is, 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 is piled up. It's, 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 there's not anything available. Let's see what flying vehicles I can take, you know? I mean, that's amazing. We, we're, we're talking about flying Uber vehicles in 2018. We're talking about drones manned from somewhere delivering our packages you know, to our doors. That's amazing thought. That's the technology that we have. That's the education that we have. Again, we're, we're thinking about it. I'm, and I'm saying this is the reality of my life too. I get frustrated when my phone runs slow. It's, it's locking up or, or the internet is, is not you know, as fast as what it's supposed to be or what we're paying for. And famine and pestilence still remains. You would think that if the end time wasn't real, Like it would just be, boop. Uh, I mean, we got the technology and the education. I mean, the money, I mean, everything's there. And think about how many leftovers we throw out. You know, I mean, it's just, I don't know you said that. There's people in in starving countries, you know, you need to eat your plate. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we've had that mentality. But the reality is, it remains. And it's here. It's still there. Despite all the education, despite all of the, the resources, despite everything there is, famine and pestilence still remains. He also said that there's fearful sights and great signs shall be there be from heaven. That means that there's going to be frightening things. There's going to be terrible sights. It also means that there are going to be great signs. Those signs mean that there's miracles, there's tokens, there's wonders that are going to be in the skies. What's happened here recently? I mean, even schools. Hey, we're handing out glasses for you to go outside and watch this wonder in the sky. But it's not just that. I mean, it's, it's super moons, it's blood moons, it's super blood blue moons. I don't, I, don't, I mean, it's all, it's all these amazing things that are going There's a meteor shower going on. Go outside and you can watch it. You know, there, there's all these signs and wonders, and, and they're increasing. I mean, they look at the history and they say, and never before in history, or it's not been in, since hundreds of years, and it won't happen another for hundreds of years. And if we look at the state of the world and the prophecy that's been fulfilled, we say, I don't even know that we're going to be here for another hundred years based on all this. So could that be that we're seeing these great signs and wonders and things in the sky and, and, I mean, God is like showing us as clear as day. Hey, the end of the end is here. If you skip down in, in the text, verse 20, though, it says this. We're going to come back to verse 12 and, and look at this, but again, we're talking about the end of the end times. Verse 20 says, and when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies... Then know that the desolation thereof of Jerusalem is nigh. Then let them which are are in Judea flee into the mountains. Let them that are in the midst of it depart out. And let not them that are in the countries uh, countries enter therein too. For these be the days of vengeance that all things which are written may be fulfilled. All things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days those that are pregnant and, and, are, and are having ch- uh, children and nursing them, because there's going to be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and they shall be led away captive to all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Now, history tells us that the time of the Gentiles has been and will continue to be until the end. Some people say, what is the time of the Gentiles? The time of the Gentiles is essentially Uh, has been determined of Gentile rule specifically there in Jerusalem. God gave Jerusalem gave Israel to the Israelite people. We know that in 70 AD Rome came in and crushed the rebellion that was going on in Jerusalem. What happened is is they fled. The last stand of this this rebellion uh, was holed up in a place called Masada. I mean when I was there in 2015 was able to Uh, go there and be on that mountain and see that and hear exactly the stories and even some of the things that Josephus wrote about in this place that the Jews was stronghold. They they, they held on and and, and how they made it to the end and, and what it looked like at the end and stuff. But the reality is this. Once that happened, the Jews never had their land in full effect until 1948. 1948, they come back in and they become a nation once again in their land. However, it is not the full land that God had promised them or told them to, to inhabit. Right. Even still today in 1967, there was a war. Jerusalem could have taken just about anything and everything they wanted. God had given them favor. favor. They, they, they surprised Egypt. They, I mean, uh, Syria. There were so many things that Israel could have done at that point in time. But they went in and they took the land that God had promised them. But they did one thing that's so interesting, still to me today, still so interesting. Do you know who, who essentially owns East Jerusalem? I mean, Israel conquered it. It's, I mean, they, 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 have, um, they have the security there. They have their military presence there. They, it, it's theirs, but it's kind of given to the Palestinians. And the international world is saying... That's the least that you can do, Israel. And then you got the West Bank, and you got all these things that, the West Bank, West Bank of the Jordan, because Jordan owned the territory before. But Jerusalem comes in again in 67, pushes them all out. But still, you have this, this Gentile presence, this Gentile hold, there in the land that God has given to the Jews. Praise God that our president said, hey, we're going to move our embassy to Jerusalem. That's the God-given capital to Israel. That's what we're recognizing. That's what we're going to do. Um, that's what it is. You know, it's a firestorm. There's going to be more stuff that comes from that. But here's, here's, the, here's the deal. It's still the time of the Gentiles. We're still in the time of the Gentiles. And it's even going to look like that even as it moves into the tribulation period. I mean, there's going to be things that God does with Gentile nations to bring judgment upon the land of Israel once again. But Jesus' teaching here gives both specific warnings to those that were present there with him, but it also gives general prophecy for the age of the church that would follow everything that those people would face. No doubt there were some there that were alive, I believe, this is what I believe, I'm going to say no doubt, 40 years later. Um, and again, history kind of gives us that indication that they were. When Rome took over Jerusalem, Jerusalem fell, and the temple was destroyed. Not one sown left upon another. And again, uh, things were different from that point forward. And it's not until recent history, as I said, that Israel has come in and taken part of uh, the land back that God has given to them. All of this to say, we've got to be discerning enough to know that the end of the end is so near. It's so near. Look further in verse 25 in our text, and there shall be signs in the sun, in the moon, and the stars. I and mean, again, what are we talking about? Eclipses, and blood moons, and super moons, and blue moons, and, and, and all this kind of stuff. But it goes on, it and says, and, and upon the earth, the stress of nations with perplexity, the sea and, and the waves roaring. Again, the perplexity and the stress of nations because of the seas and waves roaring. The recent upticks and, and all the things that we're able to see in the heavens and the sky and, and, and the frightening things. Oh, well, What if this meteor shower hits the earth? I mean, all these things going on. And again, he says the distress of nation with catastrophic sea storms. Hey, anybody know what happened in January of this year? Just, just a couple months ago? A tsunami hit our nation. You know that? A tsunami. I mean, it was in Alaska, but it's still our our, our nation. A tsunami. You know, tsunamis are typically created by, right? Earthquakes. So earthquakes, a tsunami, and we don't even know it. We didn't even know about it, probably. Most of us didn't know about that. I know I didn't. I was like, oh, there was a tsunami in Alaska in January. (laughs) Wow. Do you know what happened in August and September of last year? In our nation, the names Harvey, Irma, and Maria, caused probably the most expensive or costly hurricane season in our nation's history. They say it's estimated right now, which they're still trying to recover. I mean, Puerto Rico is still in just not a good place at all. But it's estimated around $200 billion. $200 billion worth of damage, just estimated at this point in time. It's happening. Like, like we can see these things happening. We say, What's well, always happened in history, but not with everything that's been fulfilled up to this point, and not everything that we're experiencing right now. And, and even when the world says, this is so unique, this is a once-in-a-lifetime. This is not going to happen for another hundred years. This is so extraordinary. I mean, to be able to see this, you don't want to miss this. It goes on to verse 26, and hearts failing them for fear and for looking after these, uh, those things which are coming on the earth and for powers of heaven, the, the powers of heaven shall be shaken. There's going to be great fear for this pointing to the end. This, this, hey, the cosmic signs, the things that are coming on the earth and we know that as time goes on and even as the tribulation comes upon the earth, God begins to judge that other things will begin to happen and at the end of the great tribulation on the earth, Verse 27, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, when when, when you see these things I've been warning you about begin to come to pass, he says, then look up and lift up your head because your redemption's coming soon. So uh, again, so let's think about this. He's already told these people these things are going to come to pass. And we're going to see prayerfully next week what he was going to warn them specifically, what they were going to have to endure and some of the things they would probably see. But now he's kind of given the whole span of the church age of how things are going to go, even going through the great tribulation and saying, hey, here is what's going to happen. And when you see these things begin to happen in, in, in the church age, then you need to live in anticipation because your redemption's drawing near. It's coming soon. He was telling those people 2,000 years ago, When you see these things begin to happen, then you need to be living in anticipation for the Lord's return. 2,000 years ago, he said that. We are 2,000 years later, the generation 2,000 years later. The, The beginning of those things happened a long time ago. How much more should we be living in anticipation of our redemption drawing near? Again, some of the warnings that Christ gave were to his followers right there, very specific to them. Some were general warnings of the end times, the last days, because, again, Jesus Christ, our eternal God, sees from the eternal. He's the creator of time. End times have been since the early church. But what will be a terrible sight for the lost world will be such a glorious thing for God's people. And it is a glorious thing for God's people. These things shouldn't frighten us. Those of us who are redeemed know that come what may on this earth, wrath or or, or anything, persecution, we are the Lord's. Whether it's affliction or, again, judgment that God pours out on lands, which God has poured out on lands ever since. And, again, even the nation of Israel will experience this because because of his love of his people and a disdain for unrighteousness. We know as the people of God that this world is not our home. No matter what, this world is not our home. We know there's a better home waiting, just as we sang. There's a great homecoming day. One day I'm going to fly away. I mean, this is not our eternal dwelling place. My question as we get ready to close this morning is this. What do these warning signs do to us? What do they do to us? Do they do anything to you? Do they affect you? Let me ask you this. If the end came today, are you satisfied with the effort that you're giving for the king who gave his life for you? That's good. If the end came today, are you sitting in that seat satisfied with the effort that you've given to the king who gave his life for you so that you could have life? I have to say, i and studying this and even going through it last night I was wrestling with that. I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied with the effort that I've given to the, the almighty God, the king, who's so full of love and grace that he gave the only price that could be paid to give me life. I'm not satisfied with the effort I'm given to him. That I have given to him. May me ask another question. Are you satisfied with the impact that your life has on the lost world? Are you satisfied with the impact that your life has on the community around us? Can you sit there in that seat and say, yes, I feel like my life has been used up to impact this community like no other thing. I feel like my life has been used to impact the kingdom of God like nothing else could you stand before the king the righteous judge and say my lord my god my savior my my king i try to tell him i try to give him the good news as often as much as i could with compassion and love i was striving together with the church the local church you put me in with, with with your kingdom with your people i was striving together for the faith of the gospel could you say that to him If we aren't careful, the days of our lives are going to be swept away like the wind sweeps the leaves away. And maybe you're there, and you're saying, you know what? It's happening. I feel like I've wasted so much time. I look back, and and I look back at what I've done for the king. I've looked back what I've done for his kingdom. I've looked back what I've done for the God who saved my soul and gave me eternal life. And I don't know that I have redeemed the time. Because the days are evil. I don't know that my life has been spent for his cause. So one day our lives are going to be over on this earth and it will be forever too late. I think we have to ask ourselves this question. I will put it on the screen if the end came today. Would my life had made the mark that Christ deserved for it to make for his eternal kingdom? When my life had made the mark that he deserved for it to make. Not, that what, not what I thought I could make, but what he deserved my life to make. Second Peter chapter 3. I'm going to try to read a few verses of this. I encourage you to read it all if we don't get through all of it. But verse 1, the second epistle. Beloved, now I write unto you in both which I stir up, your pure minds by way of remembrance. Look, I'm reminding you of things that you already know, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers They're going to be walking after their own lust and saying, where's the promise of his coming? I mean, hadn't the church always been preaching that Jesus is coming back? And we thought it was in 2000 when, when we were going to face a new millennium and everybody was preparing for the end, Y2K, and look what happened. It didn't happen. Everybody thought it was going to be this day and this day and that day and this day, and nothing's happening. Jesus isn't coming back. The world's not coming to an end. It's all a hoax. You're, you're believing a lie. Just live your life the way you want to live it and do what you want to do because that's the best life to live. There's scoffers that are going to come the deceptions that are going to rise. Where's the promise of it's coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Everything's the same. Nothing's really different. For this they willingly ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water whereby the world was then being overflowed with water, it perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved into fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Say, God at one point in time judged the earth with water. And he says, but he kept the world as it was after the flood. And he's still keeping it now. And he's reserving it for a day of of purging. He's going to purge the world of unrighteousness. He's going to judge the world in righteousness. And there's a day coming, he says. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. Think about that. He says, look, you need to know this one thing. Don't, don't forget this. That one day with the Lord is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. And the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men, some men count slackness. But he's long suffered to usward, not willing that any person would perish and die in a hell, but that all should come to Repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as the thief of the night. It's going to surprise people. It's, people are going to be unaware because just as Jesus foretold that people are going to be just like it was in Noah's day. They're going to be eating and drinking and giving and mares. They're going to live their lives for themselves. They're going to be saturated with what pleases them. That's how it's going to be when the Lord returns. It's going to come as the thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat and the earth also and the works that are therein. It's all going to be burned up. All the stuff that was so important that I was living for, that I was excited about, that I was doing. But I wasn't living my life for the kingdom of God, for the king. All of that stuff's going to be gone. It's going to be useless. It's going to be burned up. And so he says this in verse 11. Seeing then that all these things are going to be dissolved. All the things that you, you put so much into, all of the weight of the things of this world, but, but you're not in the, in the, in the kingdom mindset see that all these things are going to be dissolved what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness if you know that all these things of the world and all the stuff that the world toils about if all of it's going to be gone and burned up then how should you live your life after the pattern of your lord looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of god wherein the heavens being on fire they're going to be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. He goes on to explain that the Apostle Paul wrote about these things and they're hard to understand. Only the people that have the Spirit basically can understand these things. And he says in verse 17, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, seeing that you're being warned of the things that are to come, beware, lest you also, being led away with error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness then he goes on and says but grow in grace don't be stagnant don't coast don't don't follow the error of the world don't 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 go after the things don't live your life like that but grow in grace and the knowledge of the lord and savior jesus christ to him be the glory both now and forever amen but as jesus taught his disciples he had to prepare them for the persecution that they were going to face Again, we'll look at that next week, how he prepares them right then. This is what your life is going to look like if you follow me from this point forward. As I've said many times before, what, what are we living for in this world? Like, let's be honest. Like, I asked the question a while ago, could, could you say right now, my, my life has made the mark that I wanted it to make for Jesus Christ. If you could say that, praise God, man, keep making that mark. But I, I can't tell you right now that, that I don't know very many people that could, could say that, including myself. That man, I, I think I have made the mark. I could go home right now and I think I've made the mark on, uh, for the kingdom of God that it needed to make. Sing then that these things shall be dissolved. What manner? How should you live your life? Yeah. The question was, as the musicians come, if the end came today, but my life had made the mark that Christ deserved for it to make for his eternal kingdom. If things are going to change, something's got to change. That's right. That's right. You say, I've just kind of been living my life and kind of coasting along and I, I've been pursuing comfort. That's, that's the way I live my life, Brother Kyle. I, I, I mean, because this is the honest, this is what most of us do in our life. I, I don't want problems. I don't want issues. I don't want difficulties. So I, I, I want to I I follow, follow Jesus Christ, but I want all of the blessings. Yeah. It's not this. I want to follow Jesus Christ Regardless. And so I want to ask you this morning, where are you? Where are you? So I, I feel like that I could give more. I feel like the effort that I've given for the king is not the effort that I could give. I feel like that, that I'm not necessarily growing in the grace and the knowledge of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I feel like maybe I've coasted. Maybe, maybe I'm just seeking after comfort, and, I, and I, that's the way I live my life if I want to do this, I do it. If I don't want to do it, I don't. It's not not based off of steadfastness. And again, that was the warning. He said, beware unless you fall from your own steadfastness. Do what you're supposed to do regardless of how it makes you feel. Do do what you're supposed to and called to do. Do what the the children of God, the kingdom of God is about regardless of how comfortable it makes you. Again, he, he, he told his followers that were right there before him. And we'll see it next week. They're going to take you to prison. They're going to breed you, breed, uh, beat you, and they're going to imprison you, and, and your family's going to disown you, some of you. Your family's going to disown you, and some of you, Your family's going to betray you. They're going to yeah. deliver you up. They're going to make sure that you're put to death. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't want to follow Jesus like that. Beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness. Hey. Hey. Let's make sure that we're giving everything we can for the King. He gave his all for us. The end's here. If you're here and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, and you say, man, all this end talk and the end of the world and judgment and and all this, listen, listen. The only way to avoid judgment, the only way to avoid eternal hell is found in Jesus Christ. So I want to invite you this morning, if you've never done that, to come down. Let one of our ministers talk to you. Let them share you out of God's word how to be saved, how to go to heaven when you die. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to look at this this morning about the end times. God, I I pray that we would be encouraged by this, especially those who, who, who are trying to live for you. Lord, we realize that we're not hitting the mark all the time. Lord, we realize that our life could be used up even more. So I pray that you'd move in this church. I pray that we wouldn't be complacent. I pray that we wouldn't even be apathetic. I pray that these things would not fall on ears and hearts that don't care. But Lord, that every single one of us would be moved by your word. We'd be stirred by the reality that the end is near. And God, we would say, you know what? I I maybe haven't been doing whatever I could do for the kingdom, but I want to start from this day forward. I wanted to give more for you, Lord. I pray that would be the prayer of every member of this church, every Christian in this place. Lord, help us not hold anything back for your kingdom. And I pray that you would be glorified through this. We'd see your kingdom advance. We'd see the gospel go out. We'd see your kingdom grow because of our response to your word. Lord, help us to really make a mark for your kingdom. Not for our glory and not so, for our boasting, not for our namesake, but for your glory and for your namesake. And it's for this that we ask all of it.